sermon that I've been trying to preach actually for a whole month. And each week, the Lord would just kind of move things around. And I believe this is uh, the Sunday that we're going to talk about it. And the title of the sermon is Letting Go of Failure. Letting Go of Failure. And if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 26 and Luke 22. Matthew 26 and Luke 22. I have a couple of quotes from some, from some people. One of them you, you will know. The first quote about, and these are all quotations about failure, and it says, Failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success. It's not the opposite. It's part of it. So when we fail, it doesn't mean we're not succeeding. It's part of how we succeed. Second quote, a failure is not a loss. It's a gain. You learn, you change, you grow. It's, part, again, part of the success. And then lastly, Michael Jordan once famously, famously said, famously said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Let me pray real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would just anoint my words. Father, I pray that you would fill my mouth with your words, not my words. You see, uh, the reason why it's taking some time to share this, God, I pray that those who need to hear it this morning would open up their hearts and their minds to hear specifically what you want to say. God, you have a plan for us, and God, we are all going to fail. We're all going to mess up at times, but Father, there is grace, there's redemption. Father, and I pray that you would, re if there is an area in our life where we have been walking in this mindset of failure, of not, um, maybe not being able to get past it. I, Father, I pray that you bring freedom this morning into each of us, into each of our lives today, God. We give you permission to speak to our hearts and minds. Father, just mind every thought of the enemy that would want to block the truth from shining in our heart, God. I pray that you would bind those thoughts and only that your Holy Spirit would speak clearly to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do we learn from these quotes? Failure is not necessarily bad. The only question that we need to ask ourselves when we fail is, how are we going to respond? When you fall down, when you mess up, how are you going to respond? If handled right, I believe that failure can play a vital role in your next season. I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony, which many of us have heard of before. Um, but if we handle failure correctly, it can play a vital role in the next season in our life. I have a few points about failure this morning. There's three of them, and this is the first one. First point, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. Now, this may seem like an obvious point, but how many of us, if we're brave enough, can admit we don't like to accept when we fall and when we fail? I'm that, I'm that type of person. I hate to fail. It's a little bit about my, person, a little bit about my personality, um, I've talked about the Enneagram in the past. Um, I'm a one. I'm wired to want to do good and be good. And when I mess up and I don't do things that I feel line up with what is good, uh, usually through the word of God, I'm really hard on myself. And I try to redeem myself and I try to think, well, it's not that bad. Okay, no, it was that bad. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. Um, I hate failing. So therefore, it's hard for me to admit when I fail. I remember I was coming back from Dallas couple months ago and I was talking with some friends and um, long story short we were listening to a guy uh, he was uh, on he's a uh, online he has like an online podcast and he was talking negatively about Robert Morris which is like one of my heroes 
And um, he was talking about how he's like kind of a false teacher. And I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it. About 10 minutes in, I didn't hear any like valid arguments. I was like, this guy is just picking at him. He's not even bringing up anything valid. And I just stopped it. And I just got it. I kind of say, hey, no, this dude's not even like, he doesn't have any good points. You know, he's just attacking because he has a big church or whatever. And, and a friend of mine uh, said, you're, you're, okay, you may be right, but you're just, you're getting worked up because you really like him. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, no, no, no. And then I had to stop us like, you're right. You're right. I am getting worked up because I really respect this guy because he's poured a lot into my life. And so in that moment, now we all get in that, in the situations where we get emotional and we don't want to admit that the reason we reacted is because of, because we're emotionally connected. And so in that moment, I felt like, I felt like, okay, I had to admit, you're right. I, am, I didn't want to admit it because I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to be seen as, okay, I'm, I'm, um, I have a good, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm seeing things clearly, but my emotions were getting the best of me. And I had to real, I had to realize, hey, I maybe not have, wasn't reacting uh, in, in, in the way that is the best way to criticize somebody. Does that make sense? And so I hate, that's just an example. I hate failing. I hate being seen bad. I, one of the things I also hate is missing exits, um, especially when I'm in, in, in Dallas or Austin. I hate, I just think, dude, I just missed the exit. That's going to cost me five minutes. I can use that five minutes to be, enjoy where I'm going. I hate missing exits. And um, so, like, I hate failing. I, that's kind of ridiculous, kind of dumb. But um, I see that as failing because I'm wasting my time, and I hate wasting my time. Sometimes, guys, we will fail in areas that we've never imagined. Anybody been there? You fail in places. I, want, I just want to tell you something. When it happens, don't be surprised. I think many times we fail in specific areas because the Lord is trying to highlight a blind spot in our life. I really believe that. The Lord has been teaching me a lot lately. Um, and I realized I've had some blind spots. And I, I could only learn about those blind spots through making mistakes. You're going to fail, but it's okay. How you respond after you fail is the only thing you need to worry about. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 16. It says, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in times of calamity. What does it mean to be righteous? The right, uh, to be righteous or to have righteousness? Uh, it, it, just to simplify that word, it means to have right standing. So when the Bible says that a man is righteous, it means he has a right standing with God. That means whenever we believe in Jesus and we believe that his blood paid the price for our sins, we then are able to have right standing with God. We can stand before God and God not judge us or condemn us to hell or condemn us to wherever. We're able to have right standing. So in this verse, it says, the person who is right standing with God falls seven times. But what did it, then what does it say? He gets back up. This verse actually uh, began to set me free from this way that I would, the way that I'm wired to know that even though I love God, and even though I'm serving God, there are times that I am going to fall. But just because I fall does not make me any less righteous. It began to set me free that I can fail. Not that it's okay to fall, but how I respond is the most important thing. What does it say about how a righteous man responds after he falls? He gets back up. That, that in the, I mean, that, I could stop right there. That is the Christian life. I asked, um, one, of the, one of the guys asked me at camp, couple weeks ago, what's, what is, 
what is a good quality of leadership? And the word came to mind, consistency. Are you consistently, it doesn't matter how many times you fall, are you consistently trying to get back up? Are you consistently trying to do the right thing? If you can be consistent in somebody's life, after a while they're going to begin to trust you and then they'll know that they can lean on you. And so I believe in the Christian life, we're going to fall, we're all going to fall. There may be, some of y'all in here may be here in service and you may not come back to church for another five months, six months, a year. I hope, hopefully that isn't the case, but at some point, if you come to the realization that you need Jesus, get back up. Come back to church. Get connected to the body of Christ. The righteous falls seven times, but he rises again. It's okay to fall. You're going to fall. What is your response going to be after you fall? That's the only question you need to answer. You're going to fall, but what is your response going to be? I mentioned that verse, Proverbs 24, 16. This is why the word is really important. I was talking uh, with uh, Kadali um, a couple weeks ago, and we were she was talking about some things that she was dealing with, like all of us. And we were talking about how she, she was feeling convicted, but also um, condemned at the same time. And we were just processing some of the things she was thinking. And I said, do you feel like um, God is saying, hey, you're better than that. You can do, you can do more. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, are you also feeling like, hey, I'm not, I'm not that good. I messed up. And she said, yeah. He said, that's why it's so important you know the word of God. Because the first, the first thing you're feeling is the Lord. You see, as, as believers, we are called to a high way of living. And whenever we fall, you know what God says? He says, he says heaven, hey, it's okay. I, you messed up, but you're, you're my daughter. You're better than that. Just get back up. I'll dust you off and keep running. The devil says, you are never God's daughter. You, you see how you messed up? You messed up in that area. And you messed up in that area 20 times, 30 times, 100 times. And, I, and I, I've been there before where I've loved the Lord, been struggled in the air and just and failed over and over again. And the enemy has come in and said, you really don't love God. You don't pray enough. You don't fast enough. You don't read enough. You don't really love God. If you don't know the Bible, you can't tell the difference between those thoughts. That's why knowing the word is so, so, so important. Because the enemy can, can sound like God. Did you know that the devil used the word of God to tempt Jesus? And if Jesus didn't know the word, he would have fallen into temptation. The devil used scripture. So if you hear scripture in your head, it may be the Lord, but sometimes the devil uses scripture to twist his word. That's why it's so important that we know his word. So going back to, going back to her, we learned that that. The Lord does convict. He asks us to get back up and do better, but we have to also be aware of the condemnation. That's why it's so important to know his word. So what's your response? If you're Matthew 26, turn to verse 30 really quick. This is the story of Jesus predicting Peter and, and the disciples' denial of Jesus. Do you remember they were in the garden, and, and whenever the soldiers came, all the disciples ran away. Peter ran away. Peter cut off the ear of, of uh, one of the servants of, of the captain of the guard and all the disciples ran away. This is, this, this is uh, the passage right before that where Jesus is prophesying, hey, Peter, hey, disciples, I know you love me, but you're going to fail me. You're going to run away from me. Matthew 26, verse 30. This is actually at the Last Supper. It says, well, after the Last Supper. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, listen to this, you will all Fall away, fail, because of me this night. For it is written, he said, you're going to fall, and I have some scriptures in the Old Testament to prove you're going to fall. That's pretty strong. 
I will, and it's because in the Old Testament it says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Imagine Jesus telling you, all of y'all are going to fail me. Now, I, I've said that. I, 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 that was my, this is my first point. But imagine Jesus in the flesh and he's having a conversation with you and he says, hey, I know you love me. I know you've been following me for three years, but you're going to fail me and you're going to run away. How would you feel? Pretty bad, right? Verse 32, but after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Then look at Peter's response. Peter answered him. He could not accept the fact that he was going to fail, a lot like me. Though they all fall away because of you, though Peter, though James, John, Bartholomew, Thomas, all disciples, though they fall away, I'm not going to fall away. I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Peter, I got a special prophecy for you. Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me not one time. You're not just going to run, run away. You're going to deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Became more indignant. No, I'm not going to fail you. I love you. And all the disciples said the same. When we know how the story unfolds, they all ran away. Whenever the, the, the soldiers came, they took Jesus and Peter denied that he knew Jesus, not just before any man, but before a woman, and not just before any woman, before a servant girl, before the, lo be he denied Jesus before the lowest person in that society, a servant girl. He really failed Jesus. He really denied him. But what I want you to look at, look at, look at Luke 22. It's the same story, but I want you to look at how Luke writes this story. This is, this is key to the sermon this morning. It says, Luke, Luke 22, verse 31 says, Simon, Simon, that's another name for Peter. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. He says, Satan is, has asked the Father to take you away from me. But I have pleaded in prayer for you. Don't, aren't you glad that Jesus pleads in prayer for us? He said, I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. This is very important. In this passage, Jesus makes an important, an important distinction. He says, and I'm paraphrasing, Simon, I know you're going to fail me in your actions. You're going to run away from me. You're going to deny me before the servant girl two times. You're going to deny me before everyone that is around me. But just because, but just because, but I'm praying that your faith won't fail. How can Jesus say that, that you're, how can he tell Peter, hey, I know you're going to deny me in your actions and you're going to fail me in your actions, but you're, I'm going to pray that your faith doesn't fail. You know how Jesus can say that? Because in Jesus's eyes, they are not the same thing. This is really important. Although you will fail in your actions, your faith doesn't have to fail. Many of us, including myself, and I mentioned this, when we mess up and we fail, we think, well, my faith isn't that strong. Not according to that passage. Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, I know you love me. I know you're going to fall. I know you're going to need to repent. But just because you fail me in your actions doesn't necessarily mean your faith is failing. It says, when you realize what you've done, just repent and come back to me and your faith, will, your faith is the same. It began to set me free that just because you fail doesn't mean 
you're, you, you're, you're messed up doesn't mean you're, you're, you're a less disciple, a less son, a less daughter. It just means that you're human. It just means that you're growing. It just means, as I said earlier, sometimes we fail so that blind spots can be exposed in our life. We're all going to fail, church. Can anybody, is anybody getting anything this morning? I need, I need some feedback. Anybody get anything? Is that ministering to somebody? Just because you fail in your actions doesn't mean you fail in your faith because they're not the same thing. There are, there are a lot of us in here where we love God, me too. We're going to fail God and we're going to fail him time and time again. And we will go to battle in certain areas of our life. And we're trying to please the Lord. We're trying to overcome sin in our lives. And we're going to fail. But it doesn't mean our faith is failing. I learned a long time ago that all the Lord cares about is am I going to get up? I may fail in the same area seven times, ten times in one day. But am I going to get up? If I can get up whenever the Lord shows me that I've fallen and I can get up, that means my faith is in, intact. That means my faith is in the Lord. I'm not living for myself. To, be, to, to, be, to begin to, I think, to walk away from your faith is to realize you fall and say, hey, I don't, you know, I don't want to do it. It's too hard. But even then, God's merciful. Even then, we don't understand the, the depth and the, and the height of God's grace in our lives. The enemy wants to lie to you. You don't really love God. You're not a real Christian. I've heard those lies over and over again in my life. And I had to learn to, to hear his word and understand, no, just because I messed up doesn't mean my faith is, is, is weak. It just means I'm human. It just means I'm growing in my walk with the Lord. The word of God says we were born again. When we're born again, we're born again as a baby. And then we had to begin to grow. So some of us in here are in our elementary years. Some of us are in our, in our baby years. So some of us are in our teenage years. Think about if y'all have kids. How many times did your kids fail you? A day. <laughs> All the time. Many of us are in that place. But we have to realize where we're at and say, hey, I don't know that much. I need to, I need to humble myself and say, God, I trust you. Look at what Paul says about failure, Romans 7, 15. I'm going to go through this real quickly. It says, for I do not understand my own actions. This is Paul talking, the man who wrote uh, most of the New Testament. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. This is Paul talking. Now, if I do what I do not want, he's saying, if I know what I'm doing is wrong, if I do the things that I know I'm, that, I, that I'm doing is wrong, I agree with the law that is good. I agree with the word of God that I'm sinning, that I'm doing things that are not according to God's word. He says, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He says, I realize that in my flesh there is a weakness. There's this thing called sin that I'm trying to put to death every day. If I do those things that I recognize with my mind are not good, and I do them even though I don't want to do them, I recognize it's not really me that's wanting to do it. It's my flesh, and I'm in this battle every day trying to put my flesh down and trying to renew my mind with the word. Look at verse 21. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. He says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, in my heart. What I really want to do, I delight in doing what God wants. But in my flesh, it does what it wants. Skip down to verse 24. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, this is key. I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He says, 
with my mind. I serve God with my heart. I'm working to renew my body, to renew my mind, so that my, so that I can, my actions will line up with, with his word. But until that happens, I understand that I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up, but it's okay. Does that make sense? Is that help anybody this morning? Because there's a lot of people, including myself, I have to remind, renew my mind every day. Just because I mess up doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. I need to ask myself, what is my response going to be after I, after I fall? Am I going to repent? Am I going to try to do things better? I'm going to try to have boundaries. I'm going to try to do all these things. Or am I going to continue to say, hey, I don't care. You know, I messed up. I'm not. What is our response? God responds Listen to this, to your faith, not your failure. That, I'm going to say that again. God responds to your faith, not your failure. Many of us, when we mess up, we think God's upset at us. God does not respond to if you fall. He doesn't. Many of us in here, even this past week, may have messed up or this past month, and we feel like we failed the Lord. God doesn't. It's like he doesn't even pay attention to that. He's like, where's your heart at? Are you trying to do the right thing? Are you trying to seek me? Are you trying to repent? And trying doesn't mean doing it perfectly. The enemy can tell you, well, trying means doing it perfectly. No, not necessarily. Trying is just saying, are you getting real before the Lord and saying, Lord, I hate what I'm doing. I hate being involved in this. I hate responding this way to my family member. Help me. That's what he responds to. So if your failure doesn't define your faith, then your failures don't define you either. This is my second point. Your failure doesn't define you. You're going to fail, number one, and second of all, your failure doesn't define you. Many of us in this morning may have failed, feel like you failed big. Can't get over it. My testimony is when I got married, and, I, and I've said this several times, but it's, it's something I'm encouraged because Paul shared his testimony a lot in the New Testament. Um, I don't think people truly understand, like, um, I grew up in a great home. I grew up, I grew up in a home that uh, uh, respected and valued marriage. My mom famously, maybe y'all may have heard her say, hey, if Marcus makes me mad, uh, then, you know, I'm going to try to deal with it. But one day I'm going to go to heaven. I'm just going to put up with it until I get to heaven. And that's actually kind of a good, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good, pretty good motto. Uh, he's like, hey, w- one day in heaven, I'll, I'll, I'll be free. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up in this great home and, 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 to marry, and to marry this girl and then to go in this process of being divorced, like my whole, my whole world just fell apart. And I felt like um, God's plan for my life was over. I literally felt that. And it's, it's funny that I believe that lie. And how many of you know the enemy can use good things and still lie to you? He used my background, how I grew up, and said, see, like, you were, even though you were taught the right thing, you didn't do the right thing. I literally thought I was the last person that would get divorced. I sincerely believe that. It's like, that's how much I knew the word. The enemy used that against me. He said, you were the, you're the last person that should have been going through and look at you. God doesn't have a plan for your life. Maybe he has a plan B, plan C, plan D, plan Z. But God's, God's best is, is over. I remember a friend who encouraged me, and um, you know the sad thing is I called another friend uh, that kind of grew up the same way I did, and I remember asking him, he's like, hey man, like, I feel like, I feel like I can still maybe be in ministry in some place, maybe not, 
preaching and maybe I could do this. And he said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And it really affected me. But the thing was, he was believing the same lines I was believing. And I remember I talked to another friend, and she just really encouraged me. She said, Josh, you know how many great people in the Bible messed up? Abraham, David, Moses, many people. Peter denied Jesus. Paul, he killed Christians before he came to know Jesus. You know how many people in the Bible failed? And that really encouraged me. And because I realized, hey, like, we mess up. We fall. David was called a man after God's heart, even though he failed. He killed a man's wife, killed a man, and took his wife as his own. But the reason that David was called a man after God's heart is because he hated his sin. I'm just going to read real briefly Psalm 51. This is a psalm that he wrote when he realized that he sinned against God by taking Bathsheba, another man's wife. I'm just going to read a few verses. Pay attention to the wording. This is the type of heart. If you have this type of heart and this type of hatred for sin and love for God, this is what God's looking for. Verse 1, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Verse 2, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. He recognizes it. He sees it. He's done it. He's messed up, but he's recognizing it and calling it what it is, rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. This is this is another sermon, but he recognizes he didn't just sin against another man or against his wife or against the nation. He sinned against God. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Skip down to, to 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Skip down to verse 16. You do not de desire a sacrifice. He says you don't desire bringing this bull or this lamb or whatever be to a sacrifice, to, to an altar. Or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. This is what God wants. And this is the key to having a heart like David, to have a heart that, that is truly walking in faith and loving the Lord. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. If there are people in here who feel like God is not listening to your prayers because you're walking in rebellion in a certain area, this is, you can go, you can stand on this verse. God will not reject a broken and repentant heart. He will not. This verse has spoken to me so many times when I feel like I've messed up. I say, God, your word is true. You will not reject a broken heart. And you see my heart. I don't want to be involved in this sin. I don't want to give into my flesh. I'm trying to do the right thing. Your word says you will, you will receive me. You will accept me. And he will. And he will and he will. This is the type of heart that God accepted and the type of heart that defined David. I want you to think about this. God chose this in our failure. I don't have time to go into the verses. But did you know that Jesus died for our sins while we were failures? while we were still uh, rebellious against him. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If God died for us before we were even trying and, and poured out his love on us, what makes us think he won't pour, continue to pour out his love when we are trying, even if it's just a little bit? This is so important to understand because the enemy wants to come along and speak these lies to you. This is how the enemy attacks us, through lies. 
That's why it's so important. I'm going to say this every week until, until I'm no longer here. We have to know his word. If you don't know his word, you'll be, take, you're, you'll be taken captive and you'll, be, you'll, you'll begin to believe things. You'll begin to believe things. And when you believe things, you'll begin to act out things. We have to know his word. God died for us when we were, st- when we were still sinners. And if he died for us then and he accepts us then, how much more will, will he accept us now? So just review real quick. First point, you're going to fail. Number two, your failure doesn't define you. And I know that many of us in here know these truths, or maybe you're hearing it for the first time. You still feel the weight of your failure. If you're honest with this, I still feel the weight. Like, I understand these things, but I still feel like I've messed up. And I think in certain areas, when we fail, we can make things right. When you maybe don't pass a test, you can go study and, and make things right. When, whenever you, you, uh, you um, Maybe you miss, miss, miss a work deadline or you're late to work. Okay, you make it right. Ho- hopefully it's not the, the hundredth time that you've done that, but maybe you can, you can make it right. There are certain things when we fail we can make it right, but sometimes we fail in ways where we just don't see a way out. We feel the weight of our failure, but we, and we're trying to get out of this pit that we find ourselves in, but we realize we're not getting anywhere. Anybody been there before? I got good news this morning. This is my third and last point. Redemption from failure is not found in you. It's found in Jesus. Church, like I said, I'm wired to want to do things right. And so without realizing it, I put a lot of pressure on myself to to do the right thing, to think the right way. And I think honestly, getting married uh, when I did several years ago, was it was actually the product of my own way of thinking. I used my, I, I, I used my way of comparing what I liked, I didn't like, and I came to this, and it was bad. And I believe the Lord allowed me to make those decisions, even though he tried to warn me, he tried to warn me for two years. I kept rejecting it, kept rejecting it. I think he allowed me to see the results of my own decisions, to see how ugly it was. Not to say she was ugly, to say what I had made it to become what we had made it, made it to become. Not only, whenever we do things our own way, it usually turns out pretty ugly, right? And then a lot of times we try to, we try to find a way out ourselves. Church, we can't do anything without Jesus. Redemption from failure, and I tried and I tried, I didn't get anywhere, but that's the good news. We don't have to get ourselves out of our mess. Jesus does. I remember, this is the last story, but I, I remember, um, as I was saying earlier, I, I, I remember thinking plan A is gone, plan B is gone, and I remember just kind of taking an inventory of my life, people I had and what I had, and I just came to this place where I realized, you know what, the only good thing I have is Jesus. I just remember thinking that, like, my life's over, ministry's over, but hey, I have Jesus. I was like, at least I have you, Jesus. And I remember Jesus saying, I'm the only thing you ever really had. That process made me come to the end of myself. And in coming to the end of myself, I found the key to getting out of my pit. Church, until we come to the end of our ability, our own way of thinking, our own way of doing things, we're never going to find Jesus. We're going to fall into, and we're going to fall into a pit. 
But the good thing about pits is in going into the desert and going in, into these places where it's barren is that's where everything dies and we find out what really lasts. And that's Jesus. You're going to fail, but your failure doesn't define you. And if you feel the burden of failure, the only way out is through Jesus. He alone can take you out. Let's all stand. I know many of us in here, and I said this earlier, the enemy has lied to you. You've, you've fallen a hundred times. You've fallen a thousand times in a certain area. You're going to be there forever. And I used to let that define me in certain areas of my life. I'm like, man, I don't really love God. The enemy is lying to many of us in here. But I just want to encourage you this morning, just because you fall, just because you fall doesn't mean your faith has fallen. God is saying, hey, I don't, I don't define you. I don't measure you by how well or, or, or not well you do something. I look at your heart. Are you willing to repent? That's why David, David, David loved the Lord, but he sinned bad. That was a horrible sin to kill another man's wife, to kill another man. I keep saying that. Uh, to kill another man for his wife. He had access to all the other, all the other single women in the, in, the, in the nation, and he killed this one man so he could have his wife. That's bad, but the word of God still says he had a heart after God. And why was that? Because he had a heart that hated his sin and wanted to do the right thing. That is the only thing the Lord is asking you today. Hey, have you fallen? We all have. What's your response now? What's your response now? Are you still trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Are you still trying to figure out a way to get yourself out? You're never gonna get out. You're never gonna get out. The only way we get out is through him. If you could just bow your heads, close your eyes, I just wanna pray. I'm just gonna ask this question. How many of y'all, how many, how many in here today, this word spoke directly to you? Just raise your hand, hi. You can put them down. It's pretty much everybody. I was having a conversation the other day with the friends I was just talking to him about some of the things I've, that I've struggled with. And, and, and I was just telling him, you know, that's, this is why I'm not hard on myself when I fall anymore. Because I used to be really hard. And I know there are times when we fail. We fail in areas where we are like, God, I just, I never thought I would fall in this area. I haven't struggled with this my whole life. And here I am. And the enemy comes along and says, it was all a lie. You were never really serious. But I've learned to know God's love and that he doesn't define me by my actions. He defines me by my heart. What am I, I going to do about it when I fall? Am I going to try to do things differently? Am I going to try to look, seek out help, talk to friends, mentors, pastors to get direction? Or am I going to continue to try to do things my way? And we can sincerely do that, church. We can sincerely say, I just got to figure it out. You won't figure it out. I was going to go into that earlier. This is why the body of Christ is so important. We help one another out. That's how God designed it. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just, we're going to do this. Just ask the Lord, say, dear Jesus, what do you want to say to me about this message? And just listen, just get quiet, you can close your eyes and just listen for the Holy Spirit's voice.
So dear Jesus, what are you saying to me? Just get quiet. You don't have to say any more words. Just ask, just ask him and then he'll, he's going to show you a word. He may show you a picture. He may impress a feeling on you. That's how he communicates. Just be still for just a moment and see what he tells you. is showing you something I'm going to ask you just to respond to it I don't know I don't know necessarily what that looks like for each individual person but just respond to it if he's bringing up an area that you need to ask repentance for repent right now if he's showing you a picture of his love that he has for you that maybe you've never experienced before because of what you what the, the lies of the enemy has spoken